Good morning, survivors, and welcome to our 164th day of Mercury, a broadcast of hope. I'm Max O'Brien, but at this point you probably knew that because you recognized my voice. With me today is Agnes Drew, and that was probably a total surprise for you because she hasn't said anything yet. Max, have I mentioned to you how weird you are sometimes? Just trying to keep things lively. Anyway, today we're going to talk about something that, honestly, I didn't think we were going to need to talk about, which is how to make a fire. Um, Max, it's been months since the outbreak. Doesn't everybody who is still alive by now probably already know how to make a fire? Well, that's what I thought, too. But do you remember that Stories for Stories you told a few weeks ago about Justine and Laura? How could I forget? Their experience was so terrible. I'm just glad Wade found them and ferried them to safety. Me too. But it got me thinking. How many people out there don't know how to do these basic survival techniques, but are with someone else who does? And what if they're only staying with that person because they know they can't make it on their own? There could be all kinds of people out there who are in terrible situations because they're beholden to someone who has the necessary skills and is taking advantage of it. Wow, I hadn't thought of that. People can be awful sometimes. It's not surprising that you hadn't thought of it. The three of us, plus Wade, Bill, and Jennifer, have all been very open and sharing with our skills and knowledge, teaching each other how to do these things. All it takes is one person who doesn't want to share, and they can easily have someone else under their control. Okay, so how do you start a fire, Max? The first thing to know about starting a fire is that it's not as easy as people think it is. Forget rubbing two sticks together. Yes, it's technically possible, But it's so hard that you're probably just going to frustrate yourself. Oh, yeah. I remember one of the early days when you tried it. You kept going for hours and got blisters all over your hands. And then the look on your face when Dr. Clark came outside and asked what you were doing and then handed you a book of matches. Yes. But even with matches, it can be difficult. What you need to do is realize that what you want to burn is something big like a log. But you can't just start with the log. You have to start small and work your way up. Fire needs three things. Fuel, oxygen, and heat. For the fuel, you're going to want to make what's called a tinder nest, which is something small and flammable with a lot of surface area. Dry grass, leaves, bark, that kind of thing. Then you'll want to have some small twigs nearby, as many as you can find in the area, and then some bigger sticks, and then finally your logs. That sounds like a lot of work. Good thing oxygen is easy to come by. Yep, and wood is pretty plentiful for the most part. For a proper fire, you'll need an axe to split the wood with, but that's a separate lesson. Now for the fun part, generating enough heat to start the fire and then keep it going. Matches obviously make things easier, but they're not magic. If you have a really good tinder nest and enough different sizes of sticks, you can start a fire with just one match, but you have to get it just right. One thing we've found that helps is candles. Tea light candles are best because they're smaller, easier to carry, and fit right into the tender nest. Something that uses the same principle but is slightly more fiddly is cotton balls and Vaseline. The idea is to take something that's meant to be on fire and use it to keep the heat source on your tender longer. What if you don't have matches? All is not lost. Like I said earlier, forget rubbing two sticks together, but there are lots of other ways. Flint and steel is good if you can find some. You'll also need something called char cloth which can either be cloth that's been turned into charcoal or some dry moss or birch wood. You strike the steel against the flint at an angle and generate sparks onto the char cloth, and then when an ember forms, you put that into your tender nest. If you don't have flint and steel, then the next two methods I'm going to talk about will require you to make your fire during the day. Oh, it's the magnifying glass, isn't it? Sure is. Use the lens to focus the sunlight on the tender and then just wait for the sun to do its work. 
Works with some kinds of eyeglasses, too. Another kind of weird one is to take an old soda can that doesn't have any dents in the bottom. It's pretty much got to be the same shape it was manufactured in. But if you polish up the aluminum with some toothpaste or something similar, you can make a highly reflective surface, which makes it a parabolic mirror. Again, focus the sunlight into the tinder and just wait. Every time you get an ember with any of these methods, you're going to want to blow gently on it to feed it oxygen and get it to spread. Anything else? Just one last one for today. If you have some steel wool and a battery, you can stretch the steel wool out and rub the battery contacts on it, and it will create sparks, and the wool will burn for a bit. But it doesn't last long, so you need to get it to your tender nest quickly. Also, remember that things like gasoline and lighter fluid are accelerants, but they burn off before your wood is going to get hot enough to catch. You can't use these things to skip making the tender nest. Thanks, Max. Hopefully that helped someone out there. And speaking of gasoline, that's our ration for today. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, for Max O'Brien, I'm Agnes Drew for Mercury, a broadcast of hope. Take care of each other.